There's a little tiny town in New Mexico called Chimayo. And at the heart of Chimayo is this little Spanish church. And if you go into this church and you go up to the altar, there's a little doorway right to the left of the altar. It's where you'd normally expect a sacristy to be. And if you go through this doorway, you find yourself in this little room full of crutches and back braces and walkers and little paintings of hospital beds and car crashes. And these are all votive offerings. They're the record of miraculous healings and close calls and near misses. These times when people have reached out to God in desperate situations and been healed or been saved. And after miraculously escaping the totaled car or the hospice ward, they've come back to pray and to thank God for his goodness and to leave an offering of thanksgiving, a little record of the miracle. You'll notice very few crutches or back braces or crude drawings on the walls of grace. But I think that miracles happen here with just as much frequency. And I don't know how helpful it would be really to our devotions if I was to scrawl with crayon on the wall, one of my near misses. But I do think that God demands as much thanksgiving from us as he does from the people of Chimayo. In today's gospel, we see these 10 lepers, these 10 men who have lost absolutely everything. They've lost their families and their homes and their careers to this terrible disease. It's this disease that makes even those who love them run in the opposite direction for fear of being contaminated by leprosy. And these men are so aware of their disfigurement, their ability to contaminate others, that even when they see Jesus, their one hope of healing, they stand far away from him as though they're too afraid to approach the Lord. But Christ doesn't run from them. They cry to him, Jesus, have mercy upon us, and he responds, go and show yourselves to the priests. So to us, this may not sound any stranger than go, show yourself to the Methodists. (laughs) But in the ancient world, this was the weirdest thing that Jesus could have possibly said. So for one thing, the priests are the last people who want to see a leper coming. If they come in contact with a leper, they're going to be made unclean to enter the temple precincts for a good while. So they will be unable to do anything having to do with their priestly ministry because they've come in contact with a leper. And what's more, it's not like every town had a temple full of priests down the street. There is one temple, and it's in Jerusalem. So Jesus is telling these guys to go spend a week walking to Jerusalem to show themselves to the last people who want to see them. This is like somebody saying, oh, you have a terrible, virulent, communicable disease. Why don't you walk from Georgetown to Houston, find the ward at MD Anderson with people who don't have immune systems, and go say hello? This is nuts. But look at the faith of these 10 men. Jesus speaks, and they just go. They start walking. In 2 Kings, when Elisha tells Naaman to cure his leprosy by going to bathe in the Jordan River, he sort of says, well, I don't have a bathing suit, and I didn't bring any sunblock, and it's like a high ozone day. Like, he sort of hymns and haws and makes all these excuses for not going into the Jordan. But when these lepers are told to walk, they just start walking. So we're not told how far they are along in their journey to Jerusalem. But at some point during this journey, they are healed. And suddenly these new vistas of normal life open up for them again. They can see their families again. 
They can work again. They can shake hands with strangers without fearing that they're going to run away in horror. These men will no longer suffer and die, but live. And maybe some of them dutifully continued to walk to Jerusalem. Jesus told us to walk there. We're going to walk there. They were doing the correct thing to follow out his instructions. And maybe others just ran to their hometowns. They could not wait to see their families again, could not wait to put their children to bed again. And maybe others went out to seek a new life and new jobs. So only one returns to Christ. And he falls down at his feet and he worships him in thanksgiving. The Samaritan leper might have been a day's walk away from Christ, or might have been five days' walk away from Christ. However far he was, however many children or family or friends he had waiting for him, his immediate response is to turn around and return to the one who healed him, to give thanks. He returns and Jesus asks, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And why does this matter so much? Does God need our thanks? Does he need a room full of crutches and some old paintings? So if our God were one of the pagan gods, who lived on the blood of bulls and the flesh of goats and needed these animals to be sacrificed and burned to him for survival, then maybe it would make sense. Or if he somehow was like a a genie who would sort of like float off into thin air if his presence is not remembered or something. Yeah, maybe that would make sense. But this is the God, the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of all things, the owner of all things. Why does he care about thanksgiving from these lepers? Why does God care that we ourselves say please and thank you? He cares, not because it does him any good whatsoever, but because giving thanks does us good. Because giving thanks is literally the most important thing that we do for ourselves. Each of us is made in the image and likeness of God. We are made for friendship with God. And we are actually designed to be radiant with the love of God. But most of us have kind of lost the knack for really loving him with our heart and mind and strength. In our fallen state, we're much more concerned with our own happiness, our own health and safety. We're more concerned, ultimately, with loving ourselves than loving God. And the only way to break free from this slavery of self-obsession is to realize who it is that's the source of our life, the source of our joy, the source of all the good things in our lives, just how much we are given moment by moment, millisecond by millisecond by God. And not just to realize this intellectually, not just to acknowledge the fact and go on about our business, but to make thanksgiving an integral, essential part of our lives. Because it's only when we are intensely aware of that infinite love of God that we can even begin to love him back. But an emotional state, like gratitude, is hard to hang on to. We're really prisoners of our emotions. We don't control our emotions. So I might leave church one day on this sort of joy of thankfulness and and gratitude, And then I get home and I turn on the TV and see all the horrors happening in the world on the news. I worry about bills and health problems, all sorts of things. And immediately that emotion dissipates. But the emotion of thankfulness is not what transforms us. It's not even the point. 
It may be that all ten lepers were filled with thankfulness, but it's only one that made the sacrifice of returning to Christ to give thanks, of walking all the way back to him. We're not called to merely feel thanksgiving towards God, but to live thanksgiving, to make our whole lives acts of thanksgiving to God. So on Wednesday, we had our annual stewardship banquet, at which we took the time to celebrate all that God does for us in our lives. It was an opportunity to stop and take stock of all that he's given us. And now as we enter into the stewardship season, in which we consider our pledge for the coming year, we think about our response to his gifts. We pledge to the church, not because God needs our support, but because making a meaningful sacrifice, this real sacrifice we can actually feel daily and weekly, is the only way to make our thanksgiving real to ourselves, a real part of our lives. So when Helena and my daughter was an infant, I could certainly feel love for her and tell people that I loved her, but that love became real to me by sacrificing for her, by sacrificing my time, sacrificing my sleep, occasionally sacrificing my sanity. It's through that that I, I came to really feel the intensity of my love for her. In the same way, I can intellectually know that God is good to me, but when I am weakly giving something up for his sake and fulfilling my pledge, I make this thanksgiving real to myself. Jesus commends this leper whose faith made him well, because like the people of Chimayo, like us when we make our pledges, he doesn't just acknowledge his gratitude to God, but he really lives it. Amen.